You're listening to the Lucas Italy podcast with food, culture and history from the land of Vasco Rossi and Vino Rosso. I'm Luca Marchiori and today I'll be talking about how a French surprise became one of James Joyce's favourite foods. If you ask a Roman what their most typical street foods are, they will say pizza taglio, pizza slices and suppli. Later in the episode, I'll be talking to Arcangelo Dandini, who is one of the figures most associated with the snack suppli in Rome. In fact, La Repubblica, one of Italy's leading newspapers, recently called him the world emperor of the suppli, no less. But before we get to that, let's take a little look at what suppli actually are, because although they're very, very famous in Rome, many people who are not familiar with Rome have never heard of them. Basically, suppliers are balls of rice shaped like eggs and deep fried in breadcrumbs. The rice is flavoured with tomato or meat sauce and at the centre is a piece of mozzarella cheese. Biting into a supplie, you first notice the crunch and then your teeth sink into the soft umami rice, your nose taking in the fragrance of basil. And as you move your hand with the remaining part of the supplie in it away from your mouth, you'll notice long strings of mozzarella, like telephone wires connecting the other piece like an old-fashioned receiver to your mouth. It's not for nothing that these morsels are nicknamed supplie al telefono, telephone-style supplie. As we've seen with most Italian foods, um, the origin of suppli are lost in the mists of time, but most people think that they came to Rome in the early 19th century. In 1809, French troops um, came to Rome and occupied the city. And for the previous four years, they'd also been occupying the city of Naples. In Naples, there's a dish called um, a paleris, um, a rice ball, which had been very popular with the French troops stationed there. And when the French arrived in Rome, they asked the local people to make them for them. Now, the rice ball was not part of the Roman tradition, and so the Romans changed the recipe a little bit, and the suppli was born. Now, when you bite into one of these rice balls, you find the filling inside um, like a surprise. And so the French troupe called them surprise. And this word soon became corrupted into souplis. Now, the first documented evidence of souple in Rome comes from 1846, when they appear on the menu of the Trattoria della Lepre, which is in the Via dei Condotti. Today, the Via dei Condotti is the rather posh uh, shopping street that goes from Piazza di Spagna to Via del Corso. Now, the spelling of suppli on the menu was a little bit different from the spelling we have today. Today, it's written S-U-P-P-L-I, and there's an accent on the I. But on this menu from 1846, it was written S-O-P-L-I-S. So you can see that it was still in the early stages of transforming from surprise into suppli. Another interesting change that took place uh, with the name is that originally um, suppli was uh, a feminine noun in Italian. So it was la suppli, but today it's changed and it's become a masculine noun. So today it's il suppli. Now, one of the first documented uses of the word spelled as it is today is actually from a painting. It comes from a, from a watercolour painting by Ettore Rosla France, who was one of the most prolific Italian watercolour artists of the late 19th century. 
And in one of his paintings, which is from about the 1880s, um, in the background, you can see a shop. And outside the shop, there is a sign on which is written Supli di Riso with the, the modern spelling. So by the end of the 19th century, the Supli was very, very, very popular in Rome. And we know that they were served in shops called Rosticerie or Frigitorie. And there were also itinerant souplis sellers going around Rome with baskets of them selling them to passers-by. Now, in 1945, the Italian feminist writer Sibilla Aleramo published her diaries um, under the title of Diary of a Woman. And in this book, she recounts a visit that she made to James Joyce in 1929 while he was living in Paris. Now, Joyce had lived a lot in Italy, and in fact, in 1906, he had lived for a year in Rome before moving to Trieste. And she says that he he didn't really like Rome very much, which is why he was only there for a year. But one of the things that he remembered very, very fondly were the soupli, which he used to buy from his local rosticeria. And it appears that he talked at length about these soupli, so one can only assume that he really, really liked them. Now, by the advent of the First World War, they were one of the most popular snacks in Rome. In fact, in July 1914, there's an Italian magazine called Noi e il Mondo, Us and the World, and they published a statistic that every two and a half months, the Romans ate a soupli the size of Trajan's Column. Now, Trajan's Column is very, very tall. Any of you who have been to Rome will know how tall it is. It's actually 35 metres, that's 115 feet tall. So a supply that tall, eaten every two and a half months, means that the Romans were eating an awful lot of supply. And we should remember that in 1914, the population of Rome was just under 600,000 people. Now, the first written recipes of Supli are from 1901, and they appear in a book called La Cucina di Familia, Family Cooking, by Adolfo Giacquinto. And he gives two alternative recipes for Supli. The first one includes riso in bianco. This is rice which has been cooked and then has butter and parmesan cheese melted through it, which has been left to go cold. And then egg, more cheese and parsley were added. It was wrapped around a piece of provatura cheese, which is a a cheese from Rome, and then deep fried in breadcrumbs. In the second version, chicken and veal offal and also dried porcini mushrooms were added. And also, as an alternative, he says that you can add a bit of sugo. Sugo is basically tomato sauce. In 1927, um, Giacquinto's niece, Ada Boni, gives us what is more or less the definitive recipe in her book, La Cucina Romana, Roman Cooking. Now, we'll be hearing about Boni rather a lot later in um, future podcasts. I keep talking about Pellegrino Artusi, who wrote the first proper pan-Italian cookbook. Well, Ada Boni wrote probably what is the uh, the second most important cookbook in the history of Italian cookbook writing, which is called Il Talismano della Felicità, The Talisman of Happiness. Anyway, her version of soupli in La Cucina Romana has chicken giblets, fried porcini mushrooms, onion and sugo. And then this is all wrapped around a piece of provatura cheese and then deep fried in breadcrumbs. Now, in the period immediately after the Second World War, the soupli went through what is probably its final transformation. 
And instead of being cooked rice, which then had the fillings added and was held together with egg, the supli became a risotto, which was then left to go cold, and then the balls were formed from this. In 1991, the food writer Livio Janettoni, in what was to be his last book, La Cucina Romana e del Lazio, laments that the traditional rosticcerie and frigitorie had almost disappeared from Rome, taking the supli with them. And he said that the supli had really moved into restaurants, becoming an antipasto, um, either in trattorie or pizzerie, so becoming like a, uh, a starter. Now, Gian Nettoni sadly died in 1992, and if he'd lived 10 years longer, he would have seen the supli make a resurgence. Today in Rome, you see them everywhere, uh, not only in restaurants as antipasti, but also in Italian fast food and snack shops, usually in big glass cases alongside pizza al taglio, pizza slices. And they've once again become the most popular street food in Rome. And the Romans, particularly the Romani doc, the, 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 the true born and bred Romans, have a great affection for supli and really see them as, a, as an integral part of their cuisine. And of course, the early 2000s saw a great interest in street food in Europe, which became uh, very popular and remains so today. And in Rome, one of the people most associated with the resurgence of the supli is a man called Arcangelo Dandini, and he's my guest today. Arcangelo Dandini is the fourth generation of a long line of Roman restaurateurs, and he was a Romano doc. He was born in 1962 at Castelli. In the 1980s and 90s, he worked in a number of prestigious restaurants in Milan, Viareggio, and on the island of Ischia, before returning to the Eternal City, where he opened L'Arcangelo, his main restaurant, in 2003. L'Arcangelo is situated in the Prati area of Rome, and it's famous for its warm and elegant atmosphere, but above all for the quality of its dishes, typical of Roman cuisine, made unique by the personal touches of Dandini, who is a chef who really understands the history and the ingredients necessary to create the authentic taste of Roman cuisine. Now, in 2014, he opened Suplizio, which is a modern-style frigitoria dedicated to Italian street food, and in particular, the suppli. And this place is really successful, and it was here that Dandini really became associated with the suppli. I went to visit him a few days ago at Suplizio, and we sat down together and talked about the suppli. So... Four generations of Roman restaurateurs. That's a big responsibility. Una, una bella, una responsabilità e anche, anche una, un, come dire, un incitamento. Una... A big responsibility, but also, how shall one say, motivation. A motivation to positive energy, no? To try and do what your family have done better from the point of view of running the restaurant, of the food and food culture and transporting everything to a more modern setting. In una, uh, diciamo, in una collocazione più moderna, se vogliamo, no? How is the food that you make different from that of, let's say, your grandparents? Guarda, il, um, la linea di, marca, di demarcazione tra... You see, the line of demarcation between me and my grandparents and also between me and my father, who was the generation straight afterwards, 
is the arrival of technology, which has brought an increase in quality and in, for example, the area of food storage and also the mechanization of certain kitchen utensils, the arrival of the stand mixer and so on. All this means that the quality of food has increased. Boh, etc. Questo hanno fatto in modo che il cibo migliorasse qualitativamente. But in your opinion, is the quality of the ingredients better now or in the past? Oggi è meglio sicuramente. Certamente è meglio oggi, te lo dico. Certainly it's better today. And to be honest, that's coming from someone who lives in memory. One of my books is called Memoria Mozziki, Memories in Bites. So you'll understand that for me, food is memory. However, you should realize that the, the attention paid to food storage and hygiene is, is much more careful than 30 or 40 years ago. Della sanificazione di certi elementi, certi alimenti è molto più attenta ora che 30-40 anni fa. So, you said that cooking is memory. Cibo è memoria, non la cucina. Food is memory, not cooking. Oh, sorry. Food is memory. So, what's your earliest memory of eating a suppli? Ma il primo ricordo al suppli è il ricordo al suppli è e a cinque anni my first memory of eating a suppli was uh, at the age of five at Anzio a town on the coast where my mother used to take me my brothers and my sister to eat suppli in particular my sister who is a year younger than me she was four and I was five or maybe six and in the afternoon my mother took us to eat uh, suppli in this rosticceria and then we went to play in the park at Anzio and and I've always been obsessed with the memory of this supply. Then in winter, when we were at home, my grandmother, my paternal grandmother, who was an amazing cook, a real cook, a restaurant cook, not a home cook or a housewife, and she made this supply for us, which were obviously more tasty than those from the rosticceria, because at home her attention to detail, her culture, but also her technique was, was better. And also the choice of ingredients, because perhaps in the rosticceria they used a, a rice of middling quality, but she, on the other hand, uh, used uh, vialone nano or arborio. But they were also supply made with, with love. Sì, diciamo che l'amore è una, è una di quelle... Di quelle di quelle, come dire, componenti Però no. yes, yes, we can say that love was one ingredient but uh, we can't know because maybe the cook at Anzio was a person completely in love with the product maybe even more than my grandmother however, my grandmother had a technique and a knowledge that made all the difference and uh, I've always liked this, this aspect of cooking applying your knowledge and through that knowledge improving the product and also, also improving it through studying. What does eating supply mean for a Romano doc or someone from Lazio? Allora, mangiare un supply per una persona, diciamo, che vive a Roma è mangiare un... dare un morso alla storia, no? So, eating a supply for someone, let's say, who lives in Rome, is like, is like eating, like taking a bite of history. The suppli is really the Roman development of the Sicilian arancino or arancina. We say both arancino and arancina because Catania and Palermo fight with each other about it. The Neapolitan rice bowl is also a stage in the middle. The suppli was born with the arrival uh, in, uh, here in Rome of the Napoleonic troops at the beginning of the 19th century when the French occupied Rome. And they brought with them this rice bowl, 
which was in fact an, aranci- an arancino from uh, from Naples with meat, vegetables, etc. inside, but without the bread uh, the breadcrumb crust. And they call them uh, surprise, surprise in French, because when you open them, you found uh, the filling inside. And it's a short step from surprise to surprise. Surprise, perché loro l'aprivi e c'erano c'era il condimento dentro. So, what happened at Rome? Well, they changed the type of rice, the variety of rice. They started to put different meat inside, but above all, they started to make something connected to risotto. Because a suppli is risotto, which has been rested and then fried in breadcrumbs. It's not boiled rice, which has been mixed with the filling. It's a true and proper risotto. So there is a real substantial difference in technique and above all in the rice, which is completely different from that which you need to make an arancino or arancina or a rice bowl. So there was an evolution and the Romans eat a piece of history linked to risotto. O un'arancina o una palla di riso. Quindi c'è un'evoluzione. Quindi i romani mangiano un pezzo di storia legato a un risotto. What type of rice do you need for a suppli? Serve un riso super fino, un italiano, e, o carnaroli, o arborio. A variety of Italian super fine rice, carnaroli, arborio, o Roma. There are three or four varieties, but no more, because you need to risottare the rice, to let it absorb the liquid. You need the rice to generate the correct amount of starch, which allows you to stick the rice together. And you also need a good quality rice. I use a Carnaroli rice from the province of Novara in the north of Piemonte, which has been seasoned for 18 months, left to mature for a year and a half. Basically, it's the best rice you can get. It's the Ferrari or Rolls Royce of rices. So tell me why you decided to open this place, Suplizio. Allora, ho deciso di aprire questo negozio perché... Il supplizio come concetto nasce all'Arcangelo in Via Belli. Supplizio as a concept came from my restaurant L'Arcangelo in Via Belli where perhaps 20 years ago I decided to give a, to give a greater dignity to this product, the suppli. Because the, the suppli has always been made well in Rome, but in the last 20 years it was considered to be a dish un po' così without without much importance. So I said, what if We make a rested risotto made with a serious rice, made with the right tomato, made with good ingredients inside, such as mozzarella, etc., etc. Why should a cook not try to make something with a greater dignity than the simple mouthful of rice eaten in just any rosticeria? So I started, we started to create a project with the scope of, also through the setting, giving more dignity, giving more importance to the product. I give importance to all food in my restaurant, starting with the bread and finishing with the salt and with all the ingredients in between. The ingredients have to be of the very highest quality. The same goes for my potato croquettes, which are made with the famous potatoes that come from Leonessa and using two smoked cheese, one season for two years. So it's all work linked to my profession, but also my culture, my knowledge of the products which I then go and transform. Formaggio a fungo di due anni, cioè tutto un lavoro legato anche alla mia professione e soprattutto alla mia cultura, alla mia conoscenza dei prodotti 
che poi dopo vado a trasformare. Mm. And it seems to me that this respect for the product è un, un grande rispetto esatto, per, rispetto. per... You said exactly the right word. Respect. It is also a respect for the client. I've always said that our work in the restaurant industry, as well as restoring people's energy, sustaining them, as the French say, as they defined it, is, I think, is linked to respect. I always say to my staff, you have to have respect for the ingredients, because if you give respect to the ingredients, give dignity to the product, as a result, you give respect to yourselves and above all to the clients who consume the food. Food in the first place is all about nutrition. We have to think that when people eat, by eating they are giving themselves nutrition. And all the hedonistic part, all the beauty and pleasure and so on is important to them, but what's more important is nutrition. Da tutta la parte bella, vega, eccetera, è importante, ma è più importante avere il nutrimento. So, what would the three strong points of the Supli be for you? I punti forti? Beh, uno è la panatura, prima di tutto. Io ho studiato una panatura molto... Strong points. One is the breadcrumb crust. I've developed a very special, unusual crust, which is very crunchy and which you need to chew. And so, as a consequence, it makes you salivate, because with fried food, the more you salivate, the more it cleans your mouth. Then the, the variety of rice, because as we said earlier, we use a quality rice. And then the third is the cooking, the precision of the cooking. So this risotto, once it has been rested, becomes high quality supli. Eating a supli is above all a pleasure. But what is it that makes this experience so enjoyable? Mangiare un supli è piacevole innanzitutto perché è un cibo Eating a supli is pleasurable because it has noble ingredients, but at the same time, it's simple because you can eat it in the street as well. Take, for example, a plate of pasta, spaghetti. Even, even if it's delicious, how could you eat it in the street? Also lasagna or another thing like a minestra. However, a supli, you can take it and eat it in the street. It's street food, which for me is a marvelous thing, like pizza, sliced pizza. They are two things which are linked. A questa particolarità, so you've had a really big success with Suplizio. In your opinion, why is that? Perché secondo me io ho messo la mia faccia qui oh, e, ho, e, ho, e ho praticamente ehm, raccontato quello che è un. In my opinion, it's because I put my face on it. More or less, I'm selling a historical product which has a new aspect at this moment, no? That is, I'm giving importance to it, and when you give importance to things and put your face on them, people come and compare them. And this is the most important thing. And also the environment we have created is different from other places where you'd find a supply. It's rare to find. In fact, this is a unique place on Earth. It's not usual. People are quite impressed. And above all, above all, you don't see the food on display in this shop. They have to imagine the food. We don't show it to them. Rimangono molto colpite e soprattutto non vedono cibo. Il cibo lo immaginano. E noi glielo raccontiamo. This is true. If I describe the place a little, there's the counter where 
where there is no food. <laughs> exactly. Um, then there are sofas, tables, armchairs, flowers. It's it's very welcoming. But as you say, we don't see the food in a glass case like in other places. We smell the food. E poi abbiamo una lavagna, no? Tu vieni qui, io anche per un anche ecco, forse una delle altre forze che Yes, yes, you see the list on the blackboard. One of the things which is different here in comparison with the other places is that you come here and I cook for you. I cook the supply expressly for you, which isn't a small thing because you come here, I fry it and you eat it. We don't put a couple on the counter which you buy and take away. You wait for me for the two or three minutes that are necessary. You let it cool down and then you eat it. It's a new model. I have to say as well, for those that don't know, that we're right in the historic centre of Rome, a few steps from the Campo dei Fiori. Between between Via Giulia and Campo dei Fiori, yes. Which is an amazing place, but even though it's right in the centre, where there are all the tourists, I have to say that every time I come in here, it's full of Italians. Yes, yes, Italians, Romans, uh, forestieri, as we call the people from outside Rome. Like me. <laughs> you aren't from Rome? No, no, I was born in uh, in Venice. Ah, okay, okay, so you are a forestiere, but not a foreigner, because they come from outside Italy. No, 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 sono veneziano. Ah, sei veneziano, sì. Quindi sei forastiero. Però non sei straniero, perché gli stranieri sono quelli che vengono fuori dall'Italia. I'm going to ask you a daring question now. Have you ever thought of preparing a supplì with ingredients from other countries? Paesi no, fuori dall'Italia no. Allora tu consideri che io già, per esempio, ho fatto risotto alla milanese. Countries no. From outside Italy no. But if you think about it, I've done supplì with risotto alla milanese. I've done some things because my business partner Fabrizio Piazzolla is from Puglia so we did supply with potato and mussels but from outside Italy maybe we could do something French because I have a plan to take supplizio to Paris or to France anyway but beyond that uh, no I'm very orthodox so in, in what I call the classic supply I put chicken giblets pork sausage etc like I told you earlier Then, then there's the tomato and basil and mozzarella supply, those that don't eat meat eat that one. And then there's another one also with chicken giblets and with dried porcini mushrooms, because even that could be argued to be within the historical context, but I've never been beyond this. Then with my business partner, Fabrizio, we decided to do carbonara, cacio e pepe, amatriciana. So we have made three more supply, which I have to say are all from the Roman tradition. We also did anchovies once. We did one with butter and anchovies, which is another great classic of Roman cooking. But no, I won't do it. I like thinking through other dishes and adding a few more spices and thinking about other elements. But no, with the supply, no. Because I think all the steps have already been completed. For example, with aglio, olio and peperoncino, you could add an anchovy or a bit of pecorino cheese. But I think that... It's already perfect as it is. Io per esempio ho fatto dei lavori di chiamiamola ristrutturazione sui piatti storici classici, che so la matriciana. I've done some work with what we call the renovation of historic or classic dishes. Consider the the matriciana, you can cook the tomatoes in a different way, put two tomatoes instead of one, you can cook the guanciale in a different way. But you have to use those ingredients. You can't put I'll give you an example so it's clear. You can't put pigeon in it. Or the carbonara or the cacio e pepe. 
With the cacio e pepe, I had fun because I used six different peppers cooked at six different temperatures. I used four, three or four different kinds of pecorino, one raw, one cooked, but that's okay. I always stay in the area or in the cultural sphere because if not, it becomes too easy. You have to really know things in order to change them. But maybe change isn't the right word. Not even modify. I don't like revisit because that's a term that has been abused a lot. Everyone has to put a bit on the, of themselves in their cooking. However, I have to motivate myself. That's why I do it. Why do I use six peppers? Because I know them. I enjoy going to choose them. Choosing peppers from Sarawak, Cameroon, from Libya. Which have each one of these peppers has its own connotation. And cooked in a different way, they give me something. But at the end of the day, it's still pepper. Con cotture diverse, poi assemblate insieme, mi danno un certo tipo di. Ma sempre pepe. So we're not going to see a deconstructed souple, for example, with rice on the outside with a pile of breadcrumbs next to it. No, no, no. no. So I have to say to everybody that next time you're in Rome, you must come here to Suplizio Via dei Banchi Vecchi because it's a really extraordinary um, experience. And thank you so much for spending your time with me today. So once again, thank you very much for listening to this podcast. I'm really grateful for all the support you've been giving me. Um, If you want to support the podcast further, you could always join my patrons by visiting patreon.com forward slash Lucas Italy. So I'll be back next week with another slice of Italian food, culture and history. All that remains is for me to say thank you and have a great week. Ciao.